So the police said, that's not a problem, thank you for helping us, and they left. But when I went into the house, I was then brutally bashed for the next 15 minutes by those guys. They locked the doors, uh, I was in a fetal position on the floor, and they kept kicking and punching me, they kept throwing metal dumbbells and barbells at me. And then I went and looked at myself in the mirror, and I could not stop crying for about 15 minutes because my whole face was swollen, I couldn't recognize myself. This is episode number 63 of The Inspiring Talk with influence and success expert, Ron Malhotra. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. I'm personally very excited for this episode, my friend. My guest for the day is Ron Malhotra. Now, Ron is an award-winning wealth planner, influence, and success expert. He is an author of four books, including number one Amazon bestseller, Eight Wealth Habits of Financially Successful People. He's an international public speaker, speaks extensively on success, influence, business, and money. He is the founder of The Successful Male Global, where his mission is to help other men become successful in their life. You might have seen or read about Ron on Entrepreneur Magazine, The Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, NBC, or CNN, among others. On this episode, we talk about taking responsibility of your own life and what Ron learned about it from Jack Canfield. How to build your self-belief and empower your self-esteem. How to create positive association with your challenges. Why Ron likes to be tough with his mentees and a lot more. Before we jump in, make sure to subscribe to the Inspiring Talk podcast wherever you are listening to this podcast from so that you won't miss upcoming episodes with some of the most amazing guests that I bring on this show. Now, without further ado, let me welcome the one and only Ron Malhotra. Welcome guys inside this episode. I have Ron Malhotra with me here today. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me here, my friend. I truly appreciate that. So I have been following you for a while and the kind of post that you share and the kind of content that you are pumping, that's really inspiring and that's so amazing. So what is keeping you busy at the moment? Well, I think when, I mean, I've, content is just sharing your thoughts, right? And that's what I love about social media. It's the opportunity to share things that you feel deeply about and the things that you care about. And I think that's what social media has. It's offered us the platform to be able to do that. But when I'm not on social media, people say I'm a businessman, I've got multiple businesses, but really in my heart, BJ, I'm a teacher and I have a real passion for teaching in a way that enables people. And all my businesses, whether they're consulting, advisory, uh, mentoring, speaking, writing, these are all forms of teaching, essentially. And um, so that's why I love social media, because social media provides me with a platform to get my teaching out and share my teaching with other people. And so, um, so, that's, so when I'm not on social media, I'm working in my businesses, or I'm in my family, I have a six-year-old daughter, uh, and um, that keeps me busy. That's lovely. And I can say how good you are as a teacher because the kind of content that you share and the kind of insights that you 
uh, bring on uh, not only on LinkedIn, on also on YouTube and uh, through your writing, it shows up how passionate you are about teaching and helping people genuinely. Uh, but interestingly, I would like to talk one thing that I have heard you saying at the end of the interview as well, and something that I myself have felt that way for the first time about you. Like this guy is arrogant. It feels like when somebody comes across to you for the first time, but uh, I have realized that you know you are not arrogant person, obviously, but you appear that way because you know you don't want to be liked, and 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 people end up not taking action. So you have a time to you know clarify that, or maybe. <laughs> put it out there and you know share with people. Well, thank you. This is the first time it's been brought up in a podcast, and I'm very aware of the fact that uh, some people may think that I'm arrogant. Uh, but here's the interesting thing: some people have actually, over the years, even said that you know, Ron, when I met you for the first time, I thought you were fairly arrogant. And so my question always is: Why did you think I was arrogant? Like, what was it about my personality uh, that made you feel that I'm arrogant? Now, I've never really had a convincing response from anybody. No one's ever been able to articulate it other than the fact that you just come across as arrogant. And I go, okay, here is two possibilities. One is that I am arrogant, which is why I come across as arrogant. The other is that I'm just confident, but you perceive confidence to be arrogance. So it could be the fact that it's a fact, or it could be a perception problem. So, now, here is what um, one of the few reasons why I may come across as arrogant. Well, first of all, is I'm very confident. I know what, what my place in life is. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. I know the impact that I want to make in the world. So I'm apologetic towards it. And the reason is there's no reason to be apologetic. I mean, if my goal is to impact people in a positive way that improves their life, enables them to build the life and lifestyle that they want, why should I be apologetic? Why should I have a weak stance towards it? And I think what's happened is these days people are so uh, used to political correctness. People feel that you need to achieve everything through consensus. Well, I think there is a place for consensus in life and you want to invite other people's views on certain things. But other things, if you know for a fact that certain things work, they're proven. You have done your research. You know, a lot of the things that I preach are based on fundamentals. I don't need consensus on it. I know it works. I've applied it for my life. My students, my clients, my mentees have applied it their life. It produces predictable outcomes. So I, when I put share content about certain things, and I don't do it from a place of consensus, and I don't do it from a place of compromise, and I don't do it from a place of apology. And I believe that sometimes what happens is when you take such a strong stance, sometimes people will say, oh, this person's arrogant. And I'm just not in the game of pleasing people. I mean, I'm in the game of enabling people. You know, I had put up a poster some time ago where I said, I don't care about your feelings, but I do care about your results. And sometimes people who care about your feelings don't even care about you. They don't. Because I believe that the people who really care about you should be care about your results. They should care about your potential. They should care about the fact that you should not be selling yourself short in life, right? So it's just how the world perceives things, you know, but there's, I just find that when I look at the world, sometimes I think there is so much suffering. There is so much struggle. We have been, as a species, we have been around for 250,000 years, but majority of human problems still prevail. Poverty still remains. Crime still remains. We're still killing people financial scandals, human trafficking, sex trafficking, majority of people don't have peace of mind, majority of people can't manage their health, majority of people don't have meaningful relationships, majority of people don't have financial careers, and majority of people don't like their jobs. So the issue is that you have to look at the world and you go, well, there is a lot of things wrong with the world. The way people think is a big contributor of that. And I'm prepared to challenge some of those conventions, but I don't do it because I'm trying to attack people. I'm just attacking behaviors because I want to enable people. 
And so sometimes that message can be lost in translation because of my approach. People can sometimes say, well, Ron's a bit arrogant. But I'm not arrogant because the thing is, I don't see that I'm any superior or better than anyone else. Well, the point is that I think I'm amazing, but I think you're amazing, right? What's wrong with that? True. So I think the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because that was the you know first uh, when I looked at you, I felt that way. But the more closely I looked and the more I got to know more about you and got into your message and I felt, no, he is definitely not arrogant, but that's the way he, uh, you know, he puts his message across. And also, and sometimes it's difficult for people to take the hard truth. So I think that's another reason for, you know, people to take you as a, as a you know, first impression. But I think it's very important that you have said you are not here to please anybody. And that doesn't help anyone, you know, trying to please anyone and not helping them actually to progress in their life. That doesn't make, a, uh, make any sense. Right? Correct. And also, let's look at the f- fact that, you know, if we sometimes cater to people's feelings, sometimes you can make them weak because you look at, let's take two examples. Let's take a snowflake. If you grab a snowflake in the palm of your hand and you apply a little bit of pressure, this snowflake's going to crumble into pieces. On the other hand, if you take a diamond, you can apply as much pressure as you want. You can throw it on the ground, but you're not going to crack a diamond. But here's the thing. How did it become a diamond? A diamond was just a stone that was rubbed, cut, and polished over and over again for it to shine like a diamond. And people are very similar, you see. If I take you, and let's just say you were my mentee, I will be super tough on you. But am I being super tough on you because I'm trying to break you? No, I'm being super tough on you because I want you to shine like a diamond, right? And I know that if I start to cater for your feelings, because a lot of our feelings are completely distorted, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you a snowflake. And you may love me and you may go, Ron is so nice. He's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. But then guess what? I've set you up for failure in life, right? So I'm not interested in being popular. I'm interested in doing what's right, even if that means that sometimes I'm going to be subject of extreme criticism, which I occasionally am. So I really appreciate the fact that you brought this up as a starting point because no one has brought this up with me and it gives me an opportunity to clarify my stance. Yeah, so I thought like I'll just have that conversation. So now uh, let's take a step back and uh, Ron, I would like to take you back, really back, you know, when you were just starting out because you know, you had your own struggles in your life. You were not living the life that you have always wanted. You had, uh, you know, struggled with all the possible things in your life. So could you share about how this whole journey started for you? Or when was it that when you started taking charge of your life? And what was that light bulb moment or the initial point for you like? First of all, I mean, I'll just give some background. I was born in India to a very average middle class family. I don't think we ever had money. And But also, we didn't have peace of mind. You know, sometimes people will say we didn't have any money, but we have love in the family. Well, I grew up with uh, an environment which was stressful. And so not only did we have not have money, we didn't have peace of mind either. And so I grew up feeling very stressed as a young boy. And that affected my ability to uh, concentrate at school. When we moved to Australia, I was young and I had no self-esteem. I didn't know who I was. Um, I was very socially awkward. And, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had pretty much already been told that many times that I was not good at education, um, that I felt that I will never be really be able to educate myself. So I was largely uneducated. Uh, I had done some schooling, but that was about it. And even that, I struggled throughout school. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I was very, very lost. I was broke and completely frustrated. And I ended up moving out of home and I ended up moving up with a group of guys that were on drugs. And, you know, one day I came back from work, I was doing a a part-time job at the supermarket and I came back home and there was all these police cars parked outside my, the house that I was living in. And then they asked me, they said, is your name Ron? I said, yes. And they said, uh, uh, we'd like to talk to you. 
And I said, what's the problem? And they said, we found these drugs in your room. And I said to them, I said, they're not mine. And they said, whose are they? And I said, but the guys that I live with, they do drugs. And the police said, you know what? They said, we believe you. Because I, they could tell by my face that I didn't take drugs. So the police said, that's not a problem. Thank you for helping us. And they left. But when I went into the house, I was then brutally bashed for the next 15 minutes by those guys. They locked the doors. Uh, I was in a fetal position on the floor. And they kept kicking and punching me. They kept throwing metal dumbbells and barbells at me. And then I went and looked at myself in the mirror. And I could not stop crying for about 15 minutes because my whole face was swollen. I couldn't recognize myself. And I still don't know why. Did I cry because I was hurt or did I cry because I didn't know who I could go to? And, uh, and I remember thinking at that point that I, my whole life I was sick of never having money. My whole life I had seen people who had struggled without money. My whole life I had seen good people who had struggled and suffered and ignored because they didn't have money. So at the age of 20, I decided that I was going to make money a big priority for myself and I would get financially educated. Uh, then I spent the next 11 years really educating myself on all aspects of money, from wealth management to funds management, accounting, commercial finance, equipment. I was just absolutely on, had the most ferocious appetite to learn absolutely everything about money because I wanted to master it. So by the time I was 31, I had built a significant asset base for myself and I was doing extremely well. People would come to my house and they, they say that this is their dream home. And I had a level of pride, but I still did not have fulfillment. I was not never fulfilled. I would come home and I would, uh, I was married and I, had, I would argue with my wife for no reason. I always felt like I was angry. I always felt like there was something missing. And I just knew that there was something wrong. And so from the age of 31, which I'm 41 now, I, I took on, I went on this intense journey of self-discovery to find out who I really was. And I never asked myself these questions. You see, the world saw me as successful, but I didn't see myself as successful. Because I never asked myself the main important questions in life. I never asked myself, who am I? And I knew that who I am should not just be defined by my name. It should not be defined by my nationality, my culture, my religion, my education. Because all of that is a byproduct of cultural conditioning, religion conditioning, media conditioning. And so I, I said, but deep down, if you strip everything off me, who am I? As a person, who am I? And I realized that the only way to define, to answer this question is by being very clear on your purpose, being very clear on your passion, being very clear on your values, your strengths, your mission. And until you know that, you don't know yourself. Until you know all, you can answer those questions clearly, you don't know who you are. And here's the biggest problem. When you don't know who you are, how do you make decisions? You make decisions based on what you hear from other people, what you hear from the media, what you hear from your culture, what you hear from a tradition. And then what happens is because you have, you're making all of your decisions based on external influences, you end up in a life that you don't even like. You end up in a job you don't like. You end up in, in a relationship you don't like. You end up with friends you don't like. You end up living a lifestyle you don't like because you did not have a basis for making good decisions for yourself. When I understood that, I made it an absolute priority to make sure that I find out exactly who I am, what is my purpose on the planet, what is my number one value, what are my strengths, what is my mission. And I started to then get, um, I had some of the world's best mentors. I had money, so I could afford the best mentors in the world. I flew to different parts of the world and I said, I'm going to get mentored by the best people on the planet because I'm ready to make a change. So I was literally prepared to walk away from all, everything that I had built because I, I knew I didn't want to be extrinsically successful only, I wanted to be intrinsically successful as well. 
And uh, so I went through an entire journey and then I completely changed my life. And now the difference is that now everything is based around my purpose and my values. I don't work around my business. My businesses work around me. I'm not doing anything for money anymore. Money is still important because money allows me to live by my highest value and serve my greater purpose, as opposed to me trying to make money so I can be rich and I can accumulate wealth for the sake of accumulating wealth. That's the greatest change that's happened in that time. But it all started because of that catalyst moment when I realized that I, I was sick of not having money. And you know I couldn't even afford meals. I could not buy an iron to uh, iron my clothes. Uh, I used to have for dinner, I used to have banana with cereal because that's all I could afford. And I lived like that for a long time. And then I made the decision that, you know, that's it, no more. Uh, and I educated myself. I worked extremely hard over the years. But the fact was that just working hard and getting education also did not fulfill me. It was then going back and going, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to make money, but my reasons have changed now. And that's when I really found, I found that the sweet spot of success is when your purpose, which is what you're meant to do, intersects with your passion, which is what you love to do. And you're able to profit from it in a way that adds value to the world, positive value to the world. That, to me, is the ultimate formula of success. And that's what I teach now. It's very interesting, um, you know, that you say how you have found your purpose and, you know, leaving everything because extrinsically, as you have said, you were, you know, fairly successful by the uh, standards of so many people. And they said, like, you are successful, but, you know, you wanted something else. And I think that comes from taking the responsibility of your own life, right? So somebody would only go to find the purpose in their life when they feel responsible for what's going on with their life, right? So even if I have money with me or I have all this wealth, but I don't have happiness or maybe I don't have good relationship or, you know, what all the other things that you were not happy about and you took responsibility for your life. And um, Jack Canfield talks a lot about taking responsibility of your life, and he's one of your mentors as well. Such a good point, actually, it, because I just want to quickly say something on that point, and I'm really glad that you brought this up because this was actually the perfect timing that you brought this up as well. This was something I learned from Jack Canfield because I, you know, he's one of my trainers, and uh, one of the things I did not know was that the biggest difference between very successful people and average people or people who are successful and struggling is that the people at the top take 100% responsibility for everything that happens to them. And it was actually through Jack Canfield that I learned this rule. Because prior to that, I was always holding somebody else responsible. I was one of those people that would say, you made me feel this way. I would blame my bosses. I would blame the economy. I would blame my parents. I was always blaming somebody, right? And I never took responsibility. And so that's why I did not succeed holistically, because I was not prepared to take responsibility. And today, I see a lot of other people doing that. And you know, I see you all, this is, if you don't change that, you can't even start on the journey of success until you say, I'm 100% responsible for everything that is happening to me and that I'm attracting. Even if you're not responsible, you pretend that you are. Because what it does is, the moment you say, you ask yourself, how did I contribute to the situation? You become extremely resourceful, number one. Two, what happens is you actually become empowered. Whereas the moment you say, that person did that, or my boss did that, the economy did that, my parents did that, you're disempowered because you've given up all of your power to somebody else. And so when I understood that, you know, that changed my life. And I even today I said that that's the fundamental foundational rule is you take 100% responsibility. So thank you for bringing that up. It's very insightful of you to link that at this particular point in the conversation. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, very important to take that responsibility. And I think 
for me as well it took a while to take responsibility of my own life and uh, i was reading the success principles by jack canfield i think 5 years uh, back and uh, i was reading take 100% responsibility and i think it was such a powerful thing uh, but it took me a while but the more i took responsibility of my own life and my situations i think thing has started you know moving in the right direction so i totally agree that you know that's the base like the fundamental thing that you can do if you would like to take your journey or take on a journey to the success but because on on this uh, you know you take your own responsibility and keep blaming other people then you know uh, that's just a vicious cycle right that never ends you keep blaming others so um yeah pretty interesting so thank you so much for sharing that um well i wish i had see i wish i had learned this a long time ago like how you're pretty young and so the fact that you know this now is a fantastic thing because i only learned it after i turned 30 right so um so well done that you know this now because look how much have, my life changed so much once i started to follow this this rule and i so highly recommend uh, to anybody that's listening as well take 100% responsibility even if you didn't do it just pretend that you are and see what it does in a world that's always blaming something else or somebody else those individuals that will step up and take responsibility will always be the ones that are most resourceful empowered and be put into positions of leadership because they're the only ones that are putting their hand up and saying i'll fix it yeah uh, so i'm just trying to you know uh, give a kind of a steps in a way in this episode itself like we first discussed about uh, taking the responsibility of your life and uh, you know a while ago we discussed about finding that purpose right so that's the another step on that so when you have the purpose defined for your life and another thing i see a lot of people struggle and i myself struggled a lot is self believe now that you know uh, you took responsibility you have a purpose and now you have that ambition or big goal that you'd like to achieve and then you struggle with having the self doubts and you are very confident now ron but i'm sure that you know you have gone through that you have gone through the phase where you had self doubts on yourself so how did you overcome that i don't think the doubts ever go away i mean even now i have doubts and i have insecurities and there are hesitations around taking steps So the doubts you never eliminate fear you never eliminate doubts you overcome it that's the difference right so if now you know like back then when i had doubts sometimes my doubts and my fears would defeat me in terms of the fact that i would then go into procrastination i would go into creative avoidance or i would just make excuses to not do something oh this is not the right time i don't have money or i don't have time i'm too busy you know those sorts of things When you start to because here is the only antidote to fear and doubt. Now let me talk about both. The antidote to fear is understanding. The more fear you have, that means the more ignorance you have. Ignorance is the perfect breeding ground for fear, okay? The more you understand and what am I talking about? Understanding how life works, understanding how you work and understanding how the world works. When I talk about the world, I'm talking about the economic world. When I talk about life, I'm talking about the natural world and the universal world and I'm talking about you. There are the three things you must understand. because if you don't have an understanding of how your world works how the natural world works and how the economic world works and you don't understand how you work you will always live in ignorance and the more ignorant you are the more fear you're going to have okay learning the knowing to having the ability to do a job doesn't make you educated because if you don't understand the macro world that you live in and your interconnectedness with the various dynamics then i would say you're still ignorant regardless of whether you've got an mba or you've got a phd it doesn't really matter all you have been conditioned to do through the education system is you know how to make a living but do you know how to make a life that's the question right and let's talk about doubt the only antidote to doubt is experience okay and experience requires the willingness to fail 
So I have earned, when you know, we talk about there's a saying that you have you earned your stripes. I have earned my stripes, which have given me the confidence. My confidence is not fake confidence. You see, you can't just tell people, be confident and believe in yourself. Everybody knows that they should do that, but why is it so hard? Well, why it's hard is because the less experience you have in life, the, less, the more doubts you're going to have. But most people avoid experience. Why? Because they don't want to fail. I go after new experiences all the time, knowing that I'm going to fail, because in the beginning, you never succeed and master anything. But the reason I still go after it is because I know that at the end, what I'm going to gain is valuable experience, which will give me unshakable confidence. And confidence is an absolute prerequisite to success. And so for me, you can't take my confidence away because you can't take my experiences away, right? So my confidence is not coming from how I dress or how I talk or what I've learned. It's coming from my real life experiences and the ability to fall and get back up and ability to fall and get back up, fall, get back up, which I've done so many times that nobody can streak me of that confidence anymore. And that is a very powerful place to be. And I will not compromise. This is the thing. I, I will trade any kind of embarrassment, rejection, and criticism for confidence. Whereas most people won't, right? They want the confidence before they get the experience, which is a bit like you're trying to be sitting in front of a fireplace and you're saying, I will first get the heat, then I'll put the logs in. Unless you put the logs in, you're not going to get the heat. You're not going to get the fire. Okay, so confidence is something that you earn through experience and experience unfortunately comes from mistakes. And the more, the less unwilling you are to make mistakes, the less experience you're going to have. Or if you have experience, you say, well, I've got 40 years of experience. Doing what? Doing the same thing? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a one-dimensional experience. We talk about a multi-dimensional experience. I've put myself in so many different environments, from work environments to social environments, personal environments. And so what has happened is it's given me a very diverse perspective of how the world works. Whereas most people will get a stable job and then they become scared. And then they, that's it. They, that's all they'll do for the rest of their life. And the problem is people say, you know, but I've got 40 years of experience. And I go, no, you've got one years of experience repeated 40 times. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about diversity and experience that gives you that confidence, which then reduces self-doubt. So in summary, the best antidote to ignorance is, uh, to, to fear is, is uh, get rid of ignorance, which comes through understanding. And the best antidote to, to doubt is to get experience, which comes from mistakes. And if you get this, what I have just said here, and you apply it, your life is going to change, right? But this is how powerful these principles are. Wow, that's, that's just so amazing. Uh, you know, advice, Ron, and I love, you know, how you put it together and summarize that as well. Ignore it is the perfect playground for the fear. I absolutely love that. And, uh, and I think I totally agree with you in terms of putting yourself in uncomfortable position to go through the, you know, those kind of experience which you would, uh, you know, which is out of a comfort zone because you are putting yourself out there on such a difficult situation that there is no option uh, for you, then you might fail. And then but there is a lesson learned on the failure that you just have, you know, encountered as well. So that's just so powerful. Another big challenge, Ron, that I find a lot of people struggle is self-esteem, right? When you are highly ambitious and the likelihood of you feeling that you are not being accepted is like, you know, very high, that you feel that you are not accepted, you do not belong here. And I constantly feel the same as well, even though I'm proud of what I'm doing, but I feel that I do not belong here or uh, you know, and uh, do you also feel the same? And if so, how do you deal with that? Or if you have in the past, then how do you deal with, you know, those kind of situations? These are very good questions, by the way. I mean, which tells me you're obviously a bit of a thinker. So these are great questions. 
So, yes, of course, there's been many times in the world, many times in my life where I have been in a situation and I feel I don't belong. You know, there's been times when I felt like I didn't belong to my culture. I didn't belong to the country. I didn't belong to the organization that I was working for. There's been many, many times in my life that I felt that I don't belong. And when I feel that way, there's, and anyone that feels that way, you have two choices. You can escape, which now spirituality has provided a very convenient escape for a lot of people to go, oh, I don't like the way the world works, so I don't like the capitalist system. I don't like the way the government thinks. I don't like the way my parents think. I'm going to abandon everything and I'm going to go on this path of self-discovery and spirituality, sit on the beach somewhere and meditate every day. You can, of course, you can take that path. But to me, that's an escapist path. Okay? You could not cope with the pressures of real life and the real world. So instead of mastering it and then moving towards spirituality, you escaped it. You're trying to transcend it to move towards spirituality. I chose the other option, which is the harder option. The fact that I don't feel like I belong why don't I feel like I belong? What is going on in the world? Can I do something about it? Right? So I, I wanted to remain in the game. I did not want to leave the game because it's too hard in the game. So then I decided that, you know what? I'm in the ring, whether I like it or not. There is the natural world and there's the man-made world, which is the economic world. And I must find a way to master the economic world and then find a way to integrate that with the natural world because I don't want to be living in defiance of the natural laws either. At the same time, I don't want to live in defiance of the economic world either because I'm going to suffer either way. And I started to realize that any human being that transcends to spirituality or uses spirituality as a convenient escape from the pressures and the challenges of the real world is also not going to be fulfilled because here is the fact. People say, but you know, Ron, do you understand that we're spiritual beings? I said, yes, I understand that. But do you understand that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, a physical experience? Therefore, we must master that physical experience. If God wanted you not to be in the physical world, he would have created you in the spiritual world only. So why is it that the universe, God, nature, whatever you want to call it, has created you in the physical world and the challenges that come with that physical world is because your whole entire journey called life is about understanding how that works and then working and mastering it. And then it's about going that you master it in such a way that you not contravene and you do not defy any of the natural laws. And I call it the perfect integration of the physical with the spiritual. Not to deny the physical and move towards spiritual, or what other people do, it's deny the spiritual and move towards the physical. They're both wrong and they're both extremes, and both of them have a very significant cost. It's the integration of the two where the magic happens. Then it's easy for people, right? It's interesting. I was just thinking, how interesting uh, is it for people to just say, oh, okay, just because I don't you know, fit in this, okay, I'm going to take the path of spirituality. And, and that's just the escape route. And I think that's a, such an amazing point that you have made. Uh, so I'd like to talk a bit about, you know, ambition and how one deals with that. And your intro itself across the social media says that you only work with highly ambitious people, right? So having big ambition in life is definitely, uh, you know, not everybody do that. Uh, and, you know, these ambitious people, you know, when you have that kind of big ambition in your life, do you feel or have you ever felt any kind of pressure? And when you are super ambitious, you just don't feel, again, you know, like fitting on your network, you work really hard and, you know, people just don't understand uh, why you are not, you know, coming along to party with them or maybe go for a movie with them. And you are just, you, and maybe I uh, remember this, you know, quote that you have shared some of the points and one of those was you don't find a girlfriend who understands, you know, the lifestyle that you have, right? So, um and how do you balance such ambition in such a way that you don't feel overwhelmed or stressed? Or is there a way that you have found uh, that you deal with that kind of pressure? 
Wow. Another great question. Jeez, you're on a bit of a roll there, BJ. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So, so here's the thing. I love people, but I don't please people. There's a big difference, okay? So I love people because people can be phenomenal, but people can be jerks. We know that, okay? And, and all of us, and I say people, that's me included, that's you included, okay? So you think about the fact that every human being has the ability to be very compassionate, kind, loving, creative, and all of that stuff. These are all the godly qualities. At the same time, every human being has the ability to get jealous, hate, um, you know, engage in violence, uh, engage in selfishness, which is the animalistic instinct. We All of us have the animal instinct and we've got the godly instinct. The animal instinct is all about the self. Me, 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 me. If you, have, if you put two dogs and you put some food in the middle and these are, if they're untrained dogs, they will fight each other for the food. Okay. And a lot of humans engage in that type of behavior. Now, the thing is animals are excused because animals do not have the capabilities that humans have. But humans have the capability, which means we also have an obligation and a responsibility to develop that capability. Because the universe and nature doesn't give anything to any organism that, and says, hey, you're not supposed to use this. If it gives the bees the ability to make honey, bees make honey. So spiders make webs. Whatever capabilities that nature has given you, you're supposed to use them. And since we are the most creative species on the planet, there is an obligation for us to use that to make things better. So if out of the millions of species that exist on the planet, we are the most powerful, does that not place a responsibility and obligation for us to create the most for the planet rather than living in a self-indulgent life? Because ambition is not what people think it is. Let's define ambition. Ambition is not this self-serving thing. Ambition is a burning desire to do something significant. So a lot of people see ambitious people as the problem. But are ambitious people the problem or are indifferent people the problem? So if you have all these capabilities, let's just say on a scale of 1 to 100, you have the capability to operate at 100 and you decide that you're going to operate at the capability of 3, what kind of individual are you? So all of the, right now in the world, we have this massive attack on success and wealth, because they are perceived to be the problem. But are they the problem? Have you ever seen a poor person doing something for the world? They don't have the capability, right? Who gives away millions of dollars, the poor or the wealthy? Now, the poor will argue and say, well, the reason I'm poor is because the wealthy people took my money. But did they really? Is that what happened? Well, let's talk about how a wealthy person lives, how many hours they work, what kind of risks they took, what kind of education they had, or how many times they fell and they bounced back up what kind of value they added in the marketplace. And whilst you were with your friends in the movies, they were potentially working. Oprah Winfrey has not had a day off in the last 15 years. So the issue is it's how we think. And this is what I call the mediocrity mindset, which is like a virus that has now hit majority of the world population. But the people who are infected with the virus typically don't know that they've been infected with the virus. So they just talk about, they think, well, you should come out and party. And party for what? What are you celebrating exactly? You have no money. You hate your job. You hate your relationship. What exactly are you celebrating? And here is my party. My party is when I'm living by my highest value and I'm serving my greatest person. That's my party. And guess what? I party seven days a week. You are escaping and calling it a party. Let's not call it a party. Let's relabel it. It's an escape. You're numbing your senses. You are only living by your sensory factors. You're not living by your intuition. You're not living by your imagination. You're not living by your creation. You're only living by the sensory factors, what you put in your mouth and what you see through your eyes and what you hear through your ears. That's animalistic. And the more you live animalistically, the more you're going to suffer in life and the less poor your quality of life is going to be over a period of time, 
And that's why I believe that, you know, this it's so easy to be addicted to entertainment and consumerism and sport and alcohol and sex. But what does it do to your quality of life in the long term? It disempowers you. So again, I'm, this is not about a moral lecture. I'm not, you probably have a lot of young people that are listening to this. I'm not giving them a moral lecture. I'm a success guy, so I have to be pragmatic about it. But I'm telling you now, being pragmatic about it means that you understand that where there's rights, there's responsibilities. As humans right now, we are killing every other species on the planet because of our arrogance that we are better than every other species. I don't know if you know that 250 billion animals are killed each year. And in the entire human history, humans have killed 700 million humans. If we killed humans at the rate at which we kill animals, we would wipe out our own species in 11 days. What gives us the right to kill so many species each year? 250 billion. There's 7.6 billion of us, and we kill 250 billion annually. So why do we do that? Because a lot of us are still animalistic. And I have been animalistic, and I used to live in an animalistic state for many, many years, where my my whole entire life, and even if I worked, I only worked so I could take that money and I could go to a bar and I could get drunk and I could have great time. I could go out for movies and I could socialize. So I had no higher purpose and I, was, I paid the ultimate price. I was on the verge of depression and that's what happens when you live out of your animalistic nature because you, you know, every human being knows innately that you have the capability to make a difference. Every human being is not just looking for entertainment. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for something a bit deeper. We want to have an impact on the, on the planet. We want to make a difference. Innately, everybody wants to do that, but you will not get the opportunity to do that if you keep feeding your animalistic nature and you keep starving your godly nature. It will never happen. And that's a conscious choice we, each one of us has to make. Damn, you are so good. I'm really enjoying having this conversation, Ron. Uh, so I'd like to, you know, talk a bit about the challenges that you have uh, faced in your life. If you have to look back and see, uh, you know, talk about the biggest challenge that you have faced in your life and the lessons learned from that. Uh, could you share a bit about that? My life is full of challenges. And the first thing I do is I have reframed what a challenge is. So challenge is not something to be avoided. It's something to be embraced. Uh, failure is the best way to become successful. If you want to become successful fast, double, triple your failure rate. So the first thing I've done is I've created a positive association with the word challenge. Back in the day, if I had a challenge, I hated it, you know, I complained about it, just wanted to avoid it. Today, I look for challenges. So I'm very excited by challenges. And I came from a non-business background and I came from a non-money background and I came from a non-academic background. So, uh, you know, for me to have, you know, six different qualifications and being doing a PhD, for me to start businesses, for me to create wealth, these were all unnatural to me. So every single part, that thing that I have done has been very, very difficult. But because it's been difficult, it's given me the competitive edge. Because it's been difficult, it's given me the resilience and the tenacity. Because it's been difficult, it's given me the confidence. If it was easy, it wouldn't have. So think about this, right? Let's just say you're playing a video game and you have a video game where all of these zombies are supposed to come out. There's some hiding between the rock. There are some that are jumping off trees. There are some there, some there, and they're all coming out and they're shooting you. And you have to shoot them all. And unless you shoot them all, you can't get to the finishing line. That's a video game that's challenging. Now imagine a second video game. You start at the starting line. There's absolutely no zombies. You just walk straight to the finishing line. How boring, right? Wow. So, the, so, so one of the things is you, life is a game. And without the zombies, there is no fun. Right? Everyone wishes that there was no zombies. But would you go and buy a video game where there was no zombies? 
and you could just get to the finishing line. The game's over. When we're done, you might as well be dead. What's the point of even being alive? So that's the first thing, right? So I have too many challenges to name, but my greatest struggle has been to build a business because business is the ultimate intellectual sport, ultimate intellectual sport. And it's not about knowledge. It's about the right knowledge with the right action. And that's why business failure rates are so high because business tests you. Nobody is allowed to become successful at business and grow a successful business and sustain it unless you deserve it. And I've had to earn that. And I have failed so many times in business, I can't even tell you. We've had days and months and weeks where you have just I've literally pulled my hair out. I've been angry. I've been upset. I've been frustrated for so long. But you know what? I would not have it any other way. I mean, there was a story about, there's a book called, um, it's about the, the guy who, who sold Nike, you know, um, Phil Knight. I think it's called, I can't remember the name of the book. In his story, they talks about the fact that he actually sold his business. Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog, yeah. I think there was a question there. He said, what was the best part of, your, of selling the business? He said, he said, the best part was not selling the business, it was building the business, the, the days when I was actually building it. And so all the fun is in climbing the mountain. Once you get to the top of the mountain, there's nothing to do unless you put your sight on the next mountain, which is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So this is not about trying to get anywhere. My attitude now is that the whole entire life experience is climbing the mountain and having fun while climbing it, not climbing it because you hate it. You, you, you want to climb it. So for me, and that's why I love the game of life. I'm so appreciative and I would not have life any other way. What other way? Everyone that complains about life, ask them this question. What would you prefer that this should be like? Have you got a better alternative model for how life should be or how work should be or anything else should be? And tell me why you would run it that way. If you were God, how would you run the world? Would you make it any different? And why would you make it different? So, you know, once we start to understand, we really start to appreciate it and we start to enjoy this game called life. Most people hate their life. They don't even understand the gift that they've got. They don't get it. And that happens again. Why? Because when you live in fear, which comes from ignorance, and you don't take the time to understand because you're so busy socializing and you're having fun, but you're not having fun. That's the thing. If we Let's forget really honest. Who's having more fun? The, the man or woman who is living on purpose, making a difference, maximizing their potential? Or the man or woman who is bombarding their sensory factors with external substances so that they don't have to think? Who's more having more fun? You know, that's the question for everybody to ponder on. Well, I think that's just a very powerful uh, point yet again. Road. I'm totally enjoying this conversation. It's just amazing insight that you are sharing with my listeners. So one more thing that I would like to talk with you is, you know, we have talked about a lot of different things, right? From taking responsibility, finding the purpose and dealing with the self-esteem and self-doubt. And then comes the another step, which is taking actions. And before I talk about taking actions, I would like to talk about something that you truly believe in. And that's that you are a big believer of formula and system to, you know, for the success or maybe for building the business. So how does one go about finding the system of formula that works for them? So what works for Ron might not work for them, but the, then how they go and find out the formula that works for them? Well, I think there are fundamental principles that apply to everybody. So certainly I appreciate that each person is different, um, but there are some universal principles. For example, you know, every time I talk about success, the main objection I get is, isn't success different for different people? Great question. Yes, it is. Let me give you a universal response. If BJ was able to trade his life and his time, which is his most important commodity, 
to do what he loves to do. And he was able to spend time doing what he wants, when he wants, with who he wants, 80% of the waking hours. But Ron has designed his life in such a way that Ron can only spend 20% of his time, which is his most valuable commodity, on doing what Ron wants, when he wants, with who he wants. Who's the most successful out of them too? No one's going to say that it's Ron that's more successful because Ron has not been able to work out how to trade his time, which is his most valuable commodity, to do what he loves to do. BJ has. Now, it doesn't matter if BJ wants to sit on the beach. It doesn't matter. BJ may not want to build empires, but as long as BJ is doing what he wants, when he wants, with who he wants, most of his time, BJ is successful because BJ has been able to design the life and the lifestyle that he wants and been able to sustain it. That is a universal application. Nobody can deny it. Anyone that can do that is more successful than the person that can't. Agree? Yeah, we can agree on that. Yeah, yeah? absolutely. Yeah. Now, a study, a 30-year study of success found that success had universally three things that they found in the most success. When we talk about success, we're talking about people who have mainly five ingredients. Number one, peace of mind. Number two, health and vitality. Number three, meaningful relationships. Number four, meaningful work. And number five, financial security. Okay? These are five elements if they're missing in anyone's life, their life is going to be unstable. You can look at into your own networks and you can look at into your own family, anyone that you know. If any of these five ingredients are missing, you will fundamentally suffer more than you need to. Okay? So if you want to avoid suffering, you want to have a balance between these five elements. Right? Health and vitality, meaningful relationships, meaningful work, financial security, uh, and peace of mind. All very, very important. So wherever you see people that are anxious and they're depressed or they're angry or they're suicidal or they're violent, you will see that these things are missing. Again, universal principle. It doesn't matter whether you live in Malaysia or you live in Bangladesh or you live in Africa. It doesn't matter. Whoever you are, these rules apply. So a 30-year study found that the, there were three main ingredients of successful people, most fulfilled people on the planet. Number one, these people had identified their purpose and they were living it. Number two, they were maximizing their potential constantly. Number three, they had used their potential to make a difference. Okay, so we can learn a lot from some fundamental rules. Now, people say, you know, this formula is not going to work for me. Well, it's not a formula. There are certain laws that work for everybody. For example, the law of gravity works for you no matter where you are. There is not a place in the world where you can go up to the 10th floor of a building and jump down and you're going to go up. You're always going to come down. Right? So when we understand the fundamental laws that contribute to a holistically successful life, then it's not a question of whether these rules work or not. The question is, are you going to apply these rules or not? Okay? So every time when I come back, when I teach holistic success, when I teach wealth, when I teach influence, when I teach business, I go back to the most time-tested and proven fundamentals that have worked across the generations, across different countries, for millions of people. Okay? I'm not here to give people a fad. I don't believe in fads. My entire wealth advisory practice is based on proven principles as well. So principles do not change. Fads come and go, but principles do not change. And when you have a profound understanding of the principles and you have the desire to apply those principles, you have a guaranteed formula for success, which is actually the next book that I'm writing, uh, which is going to uh, be released later this year. My book is called Impossible to Fail. And this entire book is based on this because everyone's like, oh, success is this mysterious thing and you get lucky. No, you don't. You just have to understand how it works and then you apply it and you get predictable outcomes. And in this particular book, I prove that. I demonstrate how that happens. So I don't agree with the fact that, uh, you know, it, it's different for different people. There are some universal applications and you need to understand the universe. If you Sure, if you're playing in the tactical space and you just want to follow some fads, it won't work for you. But that's why I'm very principle-centric in my approach. And I always go back to what is proven, 
where did it start the causal effect because all of life is cause and effect you you engage in this cause you get this effect you engage in this cause you get this effect and so for me the right now i'm at a point in my life where i'm 100% convinced personally for me and i'm not trying to convince anybody of this that everything that i have done i have done with by by inviting god into my life when i say god people get all these different or does that mean he's got this humanly figure that he's inviting in and he's religious no 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 god is a higher intelligence than us simple as that and when you start to look at things in your life you and i'm convinced of the existence of a higher intelligence some people call it god some people call it universe some people call it nature whatever you want to call it i don't care what you call it it doesn't have to be a personification of a human being all i know is that there is a higher intelligence that knows more than my me and more than you and rather than only relying on my own intelligence i am constantly inviting this intelligence into my life to create what i create even right now for example the ability to be able to speak to you with so much clarity and precision is not a consequence of my own intellectual faculties so when you get to that point you start to understand that there is something a lot greater than you and if you work with it and you do not defy its laws you make your life a little bit smoother i'm not saying that the struggles and suffering is going to go away but what you do is you become armed with how very quickly you overcome them okay problems are never going to go away because the problems is where the dual nature of the universe is such that in order for us to be happy we have to have problems otherwise happiness becomes a static state and then it becomes boring and unfulfilling for us so problems are necessary but the ability to overcome problems and challenges quickly is what comes from an understanding of these success principles ron the way you have that clarity and uh, you know the profound insights that you are sharing with so much of uh, passion and clarity that's absolutely uh, amazing uh, so what's your message to a 20 years old ron Well there's a there's a few things. The first thing I would suggest to uh, any young person today is number one spend as much time as you need to to discover who you are. Until you are crystal clear and the first thing you need to find out is what's your highest value, what's your highest strength, what is your purpose, your passion, your mission. Because don't set any goals until you're clear. Because if you set goals that are not aligned with your strengths, your passion, your purpose and your values, even if you achieve those goals you're not going to be fulfilled. Don't make the mistake that I made. Avoid that mistake. It's going to unnecessarily cost you 10 years, 15 years, 20 years of your life. or in most cases their entire lives they never find this stuff out the second thing is that really consider building a business around your idea your passion and purpose why because we're at very exciting times today in the first time in the history of the world we're globally connected and social media allows us a platform to take any idea and to package that idea in such a way that solves a real world problem and if you solve a real world problem and you're going to do well you're going to have make the difference and the impact that you want and third master money because it's not going anywhere it's still whether we like it or not we may live in the broader natural world but the man-made world is economic and if you don't master money you don't get to do anything that you want and i again i will say i didn't make that rule i just understand that rule and i decided to master that rule because that's just the way it is maybe eventually one day you know we may have a moneyless society where everybody just lives in peace and everyone's just happy everyone loves each other and nobody wants any more we just live by need not by greed maybe one day that's going to happen is it going to happen in my lifetime probably not so i must master money so master money and um for those of you that are really keen to get this space right i'm i am launching a future millionaires academy uh, later this year which goes to the entire process of what it takes to build the money psychology money behaviors money strategies money planning all the sort of stuff that you need to about wealth growth wealth creation wealth management wealth protection wealth preservation i have not left a stone unturned to provide the average person with the entire pathway of how do you go from just having nothing 
to creating significant financial wealth, which of course then you want to use to make the kind of impact to live your greater purpose, make a difference and live by your highest value. And that's the wonderful thing about money. It enables you to do those things. Intent is not sufficient. You must be resourced as well, right? So that's why I'm quite pragmatic and I, I live by spiritual principles, but I'm always looking to master the physical world as well. And that's the formula that it's undeniable because how can it not work for you unless you live under a rock somewhere and you're not a part of the economic system, you don't pay taxes, you don't get an income, uh, you don't have any expenses. Well, how can you deny that, that you need that knowledge? Uh, and at the same time, no individual will be creative and live by the greatest purpose and have the maximum impact in life unless they also understand the spiritual elements. And so for me, it's about bringing them together. Awesome. I have one more question before we jump into the enlightening round. Um, could you quickly talk about the successful mail, the company that you're trying to build and what it is and uh, what, what's, what are the kind of work that you are doing with uh, the successful mail and also what's, what's in the name, if you can uh, just you know, say a bit about that. Yeah, thank you. So successful male is basically a concept which is about redefining success for men. So that men, so success at the moment in the, especially in the predominantly in the men's, in the male world is defined by uh, titles, status, prestige and money. And the successful male is about redefining success for men so that uh, success is defined by your ability to live by your highest purpose, your ability to maximize your potential, your ability to make a difference but also be able to master the commercial world. So at the moment, the entire education system is about developing your intellect. But we teach men how to develop the emotional intelligence, social intelligence, financial intelligence, commercial intelligence, and spiritual intelligence. So it's holistic in nature. Why men? You, if people say, well, why, why are you not helping women? Well, it's not that I'm not helping women. Let's not assume that I'm not helping women just because I'm trying to support men. Uh, because this sometimes this, this kind of thinking is also very bizarre that, you know, if it's like... It, there's all these women's initiatives out there in the world and we need them because women are still disadvantaged and there has to be a forum for women to come together. But just because we need to support women doesn't mean that we neglect men because after all, would women want to be in a world where men have no self-awareness, no self-control and no self-mastery? So you remember how I was talking about the fact that the large uh, majority of the world problems prevail? Uh, let's look at poverty. Is poverty still, uh, does it still exist today? Yes. Do, do, does uh, violent crime still exist? Yes. Financial crimes, yes. Human trafficking, yes. Sex trafficking, yes. Murders, yes. Now, let's ask ourselves this question. What percentage of those problems are human problems? 100%. Now, here's the next question. What percentage of those human beings are of the male species? Right? So here is the thing. If you're going to solve a world problem, where do you start? You have to start with men. And I'm not trying to make men bad. I'm just saying that men have been neglected and we have not given men the tools to have self-awareness, self-control and self-mastery. And that has been forgotten. And the education system doesn't teach you that. It teaches you how to make a living. It doesn't teach you how to make a life. And the more a man is self-aware, more self-control he has and the more self-mastery he has, the more he will become an asset to his family, his community, his industry and his country. And there needs to be something that does that and provides a platform for men to be able to do that. And there was nothing in the world that was doing that in a way that would develop them holistically. It's a problem that I faced as a young boy. I had no good mentors. When I got mentoring by the world's best mentors, I had to go and go all over the world and to different people. And I thought, what if everything could be in one place, right? So I saw a problem that had personally affected me and I decided to solve that problem. And that's how the successful male was born. 
I, I was also thinking when you were saying, you know, there are a lot of programs and a lot of people working towards women and, you know, a program specifically meant for women. But I was wondering, like, uh, and, and it's also, like, interesting to see somebody has actually thought about, like, men, because as you mentioned, like, that they are the, like, the neglected uh, species, right, you know. Um, uh, and I don't think, like, there are so many, uh, uh, you know, programs like yours that specifically uh, talks about and uh, targets primarily men. Um, that's That's really interesting. But we're doing it also because I was the um, ambassador for the International Men's Day and, you know, I was uh, speaking at an event and a woman got up and she said, excuse me, why are you doing this? And I said, what am I doing what? She said, why are you helping women, men? Should you be helping women? I said, who do you think I'm trying to help? I mean, do you want to be in a world, because women will complain then, of course, if the men are not, men lack substance, men lack accomplishment, men lack character, men lack discipline, men lack respect. Who does it affect? It affects women, doesn't it? So the best uh, way yeah. to the best way to help women is what to raise well developed men, right? So sometimes people can get very short sighted, and it's not just sure. women. Men can everyone can get short sighted, and we 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 miss the bigger picture. We are not about segregation. We're about integration of the genders. But the fact is, women are doing much better than men on all fronts, from academic scores to financial influence to entrepreneurship success. Women are beating men in every area, and again, that's great because women have been so women are you know they have been ambitious for so long and they've been suppressed for so long and now that women have the opportunities they're collaborating they're, they're coming together in communities and they're doing this stuff but men are falling behind anxiety depression rates are going up suicide rates are going up violence rates are going up there are more prisoners uh, of the male species than of the female species and and then now you have an emergence of a whole entire new generation of men that hate the capitalist system and they think that the best way to live life is just to travel and go and sit on the beach and just uh, sing some songs and take some drugs. And they're also wrong. So we are trying to fix a, what I believe is one of the greatest problems in the world. And that is that the education system and the cultural system is failing men. And that is the exact problem that I'm trying to rectify through the successful male concept. Amazing, uh, Ron. Are you excited for the enlightening round? Oh. I hope you're not going to challenge me too much. <laughs> uh, no, not at all. So, Ron, you inspire a lot of people through, you know, your your life in itself is a very inspiring journey. And the work that you do today, uh, teaching, helping people and inspiring a lot of people. And you are on a mission to inspire one million men, uh, you know, accomplish their dreams and, uh, you know, empower them. So what inspires you to do everything that you do in your life? Well, I'm a big believer that all of our experiences that we have are leading us towards our purpose and our pathway. You know, uh, I don't believe that there are any random occurrences. I look at my life and I go, I was a lost man, broke, frustrated, always blaming somebody, you know, and uh, then, you know, through uh, inviting God into my life, I've been able to fix so many problems in my life. And for me now, it's a case of I was stuck. I got myself unstuck. You are stuck. Let me help you get unstuck. Right. That's simple. And that's the whole basis of every single business that I have, right? I, I, in every area of our life where I have struggled and I have been then been able to attract abundance for myself, I want to enable people by showing them the path. And, uh, but I put qualifiers. I'm not going to give it to you because you, I'm not going to put it in your lap because you're not going to do anything with it. I'm going to make you stretch. I'm going to make you work. I'm going to make you take risk. I'm going to make you make. I'm going to. I'm going to get you to give up your time and your money, and I'm going to ask you to demonstrate a high level of commitment before I give it to you. Because otherwise, I'm going to fail you. Because nothing was given to me unless I was deserving of it. 
So, so that factor is really important. And so my mission is just simply enable uh, you know, people everywhere in the world to magnify their life and lifestyle because a highly conscious human being is a fantastic asset to the world. An animalistic human being is a liability on the planet because, it, because he, has, he or she has all the creative abilities but no sense of responsibility. And that's what causes all the destruction on the planet. So, uh, so we have to provide the tools of consciousness to human beings, but not just spiritual consciousness, but also the tools that through which they can master the economic world. So that when they have that, because every human being who has got a lot and is fulfilled internally and externally will want to give something back. So that's what I'm trying to do is to solve that human consciousness problem ultimately through my own personal experiences and my own skills and 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 uh, using my own passion and my living by my highest value. So uh, it's such a wonderful place to be. and But it's a blessing as well because I don't believe we have any right to keep taking when we have such all these uh, remarkable capabilities. We have an obligation to give back. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? It's the same habit that everyone will advocate by and it's the habit of gratitude. Wow. It is, uh, it is looking for things, looking for blessing in everything. Every problem that you're experiencing right now has the seeds of opportunity, seeds of growth in it, if you care to look. But you have to train your mind to perceive things that way. So every day I sit down, first thing I get up in the morning and I say thank you for, and I'm very specific about what I'm saying thank you for. And then at night I look at my entire day and I go, all of these things happen and I'm grateful for everything. Little things like, you know, if I if I get to kiss my daughter on her cheek, you know, before she goes to school, you know, the softness of her cheek. You know, if I have a beautiful strawberry, that's sweet. If I have an apple, if I get to spend time with my dog, if I, if I get a big business deal, or if I get rejected by a client, which is also a learning experience. Every single thing is a great experience. And here is the thing. What's the alternative? Death. It's either you experience life or you don't experience life. So what's there to be ungrateful about? The alternative is not very great, is it? People say, I've had a bad day. Well, I said, I said at least you had a day. And you didn't have a bad day. It's your perception that makes it bad. So the ultimate habit of success is definitely gratitude. Could you share a book or two uh, that you have read in a recent past that has influenced you uh, the most? Well, I uh, lately I've been re- reading a lot of autobiographies and biographies. And the book that I, uh, I've been reading at the moment is uh, on Abraham Lincoln, which is called Lincoln Virtues. And Abraham Lincoln is a man who has gone through, uh, had went through significant adversity in his life. And is known as one of the one of the best men in the in the world because of the positive changes he made, and uh, his whole story of character development is very inspiring for me. Because a question I asked myself about five years ago was, how do I become an amazing leader? And I looked at everything from everybody from Martin Luther King to Mandela, Gandhi, Malcolm X. I studied some of the greatest planet, uh, leaders on the planet, including Jesus Christ. And I thought to myself, you know what? I just want to get, I want to become a, a, you know, a great leader in the world who has a positive impact, who has the right intent, who grows people. And, uh, but I have to say I'm really impressed with the story of Abraham Lincoln because if you really study his story and the number of failures and criticism and rejection and death threats that he had in his entire political career combined with a mental illness and the kind of changes that he made despite all of that adversity is such an inspirational example of life. And we just have, most of us have no reason to complain. When we start to understand what other people have gone through on this planet and what they accomplished despite those setbacks, most of us have no reason to complain. 
But we need perspective sometimes, and that's why autobiographies give you that great perspective. If you were to start this success journey all over again, what are those three things that you would have done differently? The first thing is I would I I would have not complained as much as I did and not blame others. I would have taken a hundred percent responsibility a long time ago. I wish I knew this rule then, you know, and it changed my life. The second thing is I would have started a business a lot earlier in life, right? I would have not waited so long, and I would have you know started a business because business is just the ultimate experience, and you do fail in business first before you become successful. And it would have been good to have a lot of my failures early on, um, especially before you know. I had a family and stuff like that. So I, I do I feel that that could have potentially been better but again I don't know maybe this is the best way for me to live my life. And uh, uh I just had it and I've just forgotten it. What was the third thing uh that I wish I had uh, done differently? Yes, I wish I had asked myself this question about who I am a long time ago and not waited till I was 31. I wish I had asked I wish I had the wisdom to ask myself these questions a long time ago because i could have reduced so much suffering for others and myself if i knew who i was um you know and uh, uh and i have one more one more regret and that is i wish i had i had stopped eating meat a long time ago and stopped dairy consu- consuming dairy a long time ago it's only in 2019 early this year and from from uh, the 1st of jan that i stopped consuming meat and dairy but i wish i had known about the unnecessary violence and suffering that is inflicted on animals uh and and cows and if i had known that a long time ago if i had the awareness to know that this was happening i would have i wish i had given it up go but you know the time that you become conscious the time you become aware you have a responsibility to do something i can't change the fact that i was unconscious and unaware i can't change that sure. i didn't know what i didn't know but the moment somebody knows something and you still decide to stay on the old path to me that is just willful ignorance and i don't do that at the moment i become aware of something i go and i have a responsibility now i know i must change something now and and you know and that's because i have this sense of obligation towards uh, you know that my life is not just here to serve myself i'm here for a bigger purpose than that and so are you and so is everybody else could you share an online tool or uh, app that you use on a regular basis that has helped you maybe in becoming more productive or maybe uh, becoming more disciplined or generally that helps you in any aspect of your personal growth <laughs> I'm very simplistic when it comes to technology. Um it's technology is not what I would say is my greatest strength. Uh the tool that has helped me enable me a lot is Evernote. I know it sounds so basic, but it just helps me capture all of my thoughts. I use it all the time. All it is, you know why I do it? Every thought, every idea, every experience I capture it. I write about it and the more I write about it, the more I get to clarify my thoughts. and in my entire base of my content production comes from evernote and it's just so simple i have an experience i have a conversation something i take out of it i quickly type it up and then i go back to it and i go home what did i learn from it what can i share it with people and that's just been a phenomenal tool so simple but i don't think people use it enough one question that you wish people asked you but they don't ask you you have asked me some very good questions i don't even know if there's anything that i could i mean you have asked me such tremendous questions today um I wish people asked me more why is why how to master money I I I just find that people abort the idea because of their belief system very few people have ever come and said to me Ron I want to master money please show me how you know um or why I should master money you know I wish most people would ask me this question because when I explain to people I've never ever not shown people why they shouldn't. So uh, I wish more people would ask that and take more responsibility with money because 
you know, money is one of those things that will affect every other area of your life. You can't buy good health. You can't even buy time with your family. You know, people who say my family is my biggest value. Well, let's see if you get to spend time with your family, your kids and your grandkids when you're older, when you're living so far away from them because you can't afford housing or you can't afford to buy them presents for Christmas. You know, so I just feel that people would be more open-minded about money and want to learn about it as opposed to very quickly rejecting it as something bad. And one more thing I'll say, money is spiritual. Money is, I believe money is absolutely spiritual. Don't blame money if bad people do bad things with money. If somebody took a kitchen knife and stabbed somebody else, it's not the kitchen knife's fault, right? So sure. if somebody took a car and, 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 and deliberately went in, and crashed into another person, it, you would not blame the car. Let's not blame the money. Let's blame the people who use the money in a bad way. Or let's hold them responsible, but let's not blame money. Money is neutral. I have one more last question left for you, Ron. But before that, um, if people would like to reach out to you and uh, you know connect with you, and now, guys, you know what to ask him, the question that he do not get asked a lot. So make sure that you reach out to him, ask those questions around money and wealth. Uh, I just wanted to talk more about the mindset on this particular episode. Uh, so I'm keeping the wealth side of it uh, for the next episode, and I'm sure I'm going to get you on this show again uh, but you have to move out uh, so I have to stop this right here but again I'm uh, I'm going to get you back on the show again because this has been one of the phenomenal conversations I have had on this podcast uh, the kind of insights that you have shared and the kind of profound and uh, you know deep insights and the clarity that you have and that's just amazing uh, so how people can reach out to you and what's the best way I think I'm, I'm the two platforms that I'm very active on now is um, LinkedIn and Instagram. So Instagram, my account is called the Ron Malhotra, uh, and LinkedIn uh, is just Ron Malhotra. And I, I, I do share a daily insights. I'm starting to build uh, people. A lot of people start to say, "Can you do more educational videos?" I've recently gone onto YouTube and starting to share my insights there as well. Uh, but they'd be the three predominant platforms through which you can uh, socially connect with me. Guys, make sure that you connect with Ron. I link all of those links in the show notes page of this episode. Uh, make sure that you check that out. And, uh, you know, the kind of insight that Ron is sharing on LinkedIn, they are just amazing. These are the sort of videos, one or one and a half minutes video, but they are they will just leave you with a lot of things that you can take back home with just those powerful videos that you share on uh, LinkedIn. So Ron, here's the last question for you. Imagine that you are standing on a stadium and this one is the biggest or the largest stadium that has ever been built in the history of the world. And there are millions and millions of people on that stadium. And they are passionately and eagerly looking at you and they are there to listen what you have to say. And you were given only one minute of the time to share the most important lesson that you have learned in your life. What would be your message? Learn everything about God. And my ultimate message to everybody is you must, you must, you need something higher and bigger to believe in you. But I'm not talking about faith that comes from fear and indoctrination. I'm talking about developing faith through understanding. A lot of people feel that they have to fear God and believe in God because they've been indoctrinated to do so. But when you willingly open your heart to this higher power, that's an entirely different game. But for that, you're going to have to go through the journey. And you have to, all, sometimes all you have to do is just invite God. Most of us don't even invite God. We don't believe. We just believe that there is no such thing 
that all the inter- intellect just resides in the human brain. So my one-minute message would be, believe in something higher than you. If you really want to know how powerful you are, you want to unleash your real potential, you are not going to be able to do it just by relying on yourself. And believe me, take it from a man who is extremely pragmatic, financially savvy, and commercially savvy. I'm not an esoteric, woo-woo type of person. So when for me to say this, believe me, I've tried doing things on my own, and I've tried doing things with the assistance of God, and I know the difference. But you can't be a skeptic when you invite God in. You, you don't say, well, I'm going to test and see if it works. You don't do it like that. You do it with an open heart, knowing and expecting that that's going to work. There's a state of expectation. To the extent that you expect it is the extent that it's going to work for you. If you come going with an energy of skepticism and saying, well, prove it to me, uh, it, it doesn't because you're already operating from a, a space of skepticism and cynicism, which is a form of fear. And faith and fear do not work together. They don't. You can either operate from a vibration of fear or you can operate from a vibration of faith. You can't do both. And I have that kind of faith now that nobody can take away from me. And this was not given to me in a book or a scripture. This is based on my own personal experiences over my lifetime. And if people ask me this question, I don't impose it on anybody. But if somebody says, Ron, I want to know how you did it. What's the one thing you would say? Then I will always say, it'll always come back to this message. Invite God in your life. This has been phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here on The Suron. Thank you so much for having me, BJ. You're a wonderful host. Truly appreciate that. You have it there. Theinspiringtalk.com forward slash 6363. I hope you learned something or got some inspiration from this episode. If you did, make sure that you share this episode with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Help me in spreading this amazing insight Ron has shared on this episode. And to finish this, your life will not change unless you take 100% responsibility of it. Because unless you shift your focus from blaming someone else for your circumstances to taking charge of your life, you will not make a leap. So ask yourself, am I taking 100% responsibility of my life? That's where your life transformation will begin. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next. Now, go out there and do something inspiring.